welcome to this week's episode of Tech Talk Live. I'm your host, Michael Amagon, speaking. And today with us, we have our guest, Viquel, or Vicky. Hello. And as per usual, we are going to be talking about the, well, technology within the past week and the different news that's happened since we were last on. Now, we're going to start off this week with Apple because, well, Apple has actually the most topics. Uh, the first thing that's actually on our plate is that Swift, the programming language that powers iOS, which is the operating system for iPhones, iPads, and so on, is actually becoming more and more popular in community colleges, which is really interesting when you really think about it, because that means more and more people are going to be uh, interested in developing apps for iPhones and iPads. Well, iOS on a whole. I know, Vicky, that probably makes you pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually have the app on my iPad. Sad to say, but yeah. <laughs> eh, see? So, I mean, I think it's pretty good that Apple's making it very user-friendly to learn how to program. Like, even in stores, I think they have something where you they teach kids how to program. So... I guess this is kind of like a bit of an extension to that, in a sense. Yeah, and then they have to market it to make it seem so they're reaching out to the community. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like that's the second. But yeah, I, I can actually, I'm kind of happy that they're pushing like the Swift program, the Swift Playground app further more, look further out, and having people suddenly use it in psychologists. Yeah, I, I mean, granted. This is mainly in the United States, but I would really like it if, you know, when, well, stuff like this was to come more to the other countries as well, like the Bahamas, Jamaica, uh, Panama, wherever it is. So, I mean, it'd be nice. And I think this is a pretty good first step, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. Thanks for following. Thirty-nine ninety-eight, Juanuno. Um, we're gonna start doing a little something different, and actually, thank you guys for following at the end of the show going forward. So it's not interrupting as much. Um, next up, iOS eleven. Now, when they were talking about some of the new features of iOS back at the, what was it, WWDC. They said that Apple Pay Cash may require, well, they were gonna have it where you can um, send funds to friends. Um, so it was kind of like mobile payments in a sense. But they're saying now that you may be requiring to use a photo ID before you can actually get access to that. My concern with that is, will this then make it only the U.S., or will this be worldwide? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, for me, simply because um, Apple Pay is kind of like mainly, in the, like, isn't in our part of the world, so I figured that it was going to be mainly for the U.S., and then they're going to start branching it out to, like, different countries. That's all I figured that they were going to do. Yeah, that's... 
that's kind of what I'm figuring as well, especially when you consider the fact that um, Apple Pay on a whole has not even reached where we currently are. Yeah. Which is a sad, sad fact. Um, next up, we actually have that iOS 8, well, iOS 11's Beta 8 is now out, so it's also definitely, you know, cemented, I guess you could say at this point, that that auto-adjust for brightness is, uh, you know, that's going to stick around. It was kind of like on the wall with 7, but, um, yeah, I guess you kind of have to get used to that, huh, Vicky? Yeah, I, I figure, like, once I toggle it on, I'm probably not going to, like, use it again, so I probably just get used to it. Well, I mean, I have a choice, but <laughs> to get used to it. That's kind of how Apple is sometimes. It's like, you kind of, either you follow along with what we tell you to, or hit the road in a sense. I don't know. It, it seems a little weird. Yeah. yeah like, like, I, like I said, that's how it's like. It's either you take what we give you, or find the next company. I, I feel that's like, that's kind of like their jump point. And that's, that's really weird, because... Like, the whole point when Apple was really coming back into itself was breaking away from the the norm kind of thing and, like, becoming individuals and all that kind of stuff. And now Apple's kind of, like, become the man from back then. I, I, it's weird. It's really weird for me. Like, even up to today. Um, but moving on to our next topic. Now, for the past week, we've been hearing that the iPhone 8 was more than likely going to be released on September 12th. And, uh, that was rumored to be at the Steve Jobs Center, which is, you know, at the new campus for them. And granted, I think it was today, it was officially confirmed that it was going to be at... Yeah. So, um... I mean, overall, that's pretty good. Um, it's still a little weird that, you know, it took a week for them to really confirm it, but... We have our date. September 12th? Do we yeah. have a time? Um, yes. It, it'll be at 10 a.m. We spoke 10 a.m. for them, and then it'll be like 12 or 1 o'clock for us. And we're in... Three oh, yeah. hours to It'll be 1 p.m. Yeah. for... Then 10 a.m. for Pacific. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're at Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, next up, Apple's actually won a lawsuit against them for, and this is a little awkward. Someone was actually trying to sue Apple because a student died due to a texting driver who was using an iPhone. I don't I mean it makes sense that apple won this and i'm kind of surprised this kind of even was a lawsuit in, a, in this kind of sense that you know it brought in apple like where was this all the other times when all the other kids who died because of texting and driving uh came about like i'm, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that they probably found well you know there's a big company if I try to sue them, then they're probably going to, like, you know, just, like, give up to it and then like, just give me what I want. So, probably, yeah, it's probably um, obvious. But 
I I had like the same thought as you. This is like I mean you can't like literally can't like technically sue a company because someone when it's you died because they were using an iPhone while they was driving and not supposed to text and drive. Apple has made it clear plenty of times that you know not to text and drive. Um, and they took it like even a step further with iOS 11 when they now have the do not disturb car um, feature. So like it's it's clear they're putting not text and drive. So like, I don't feel as though this person, I don't know, I, yeah, I personally wouldn't feel like this person would win regardless because all of the other incidents that happened, it's a similar case. I mean, nothing came out of it. If someone even tried to sue them, like I don't even know, I, mean, I don't even know what was going on in their mind when they thought, like, you know, they're trying to Apple. But yeah, it's overall though, like common sense can still tell you, like sue the person that killed the student, not the company, because the company almost has nothing to do with it. They just produce themselves. Exactly. It's not like they said, Oh, we're going to make it so that you kill this kid. <laughs> it's like, no, no. They they produce. It's like suing the car company because you ran and hit someone. What? Yes. It's and like, if that's no. the case, why didn't, why didn't they sue the car company as well? Exactly. I mean... <laughs> Uh, like, uh, there are times when I really do wonder about people. Same. I question humanity a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, in a slight spin-off from that, apparently the New York Police Department, and I think the number was about 36,000 police officers. I could be wrong with that number. I'm trying to confirm that right now. Yeah, 36,000 police officers will be switching over from Windows phones, which I think they did about two or three years ago. They switched over to Windows phones. And they're going to be switching from that to iPhones. Because of, you know, security and all that kind of stuff. And I'm guessing, you know, there's more apps that they can use and it's easier to code for. But um, it seems a little weird, you know, considering that the FBI was, what, just less than a year ago trying to crack into it in New York and everything like that? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, like, it, it does seem a bit weird. Um, but for the sense of the music for security, I can understand that. But so it does feel like a bit weird because, you know, the FBI just had their case with Apple like a few years ago with the whole lock the phone Apple wouldn't unlock the phone because they're respecting people's privacy and etc. etc. So it does kind of seem a bit weird. And then that runs into the question so, what if the police officer forgets their password? I mean, granted, there's probably like enterprise level stuff to unlock the device and whatnot, but that, that still kind of runs into some really iffy stuff. Especially if the police off, like something happens and it, the phone gets off of the network and then it becomes locked and it's like okay but there was evidence on that that the police officer did something wrong i don't know Seems... and i also leave you know the police officer drops his phone maybe once or twice it's going to the crack <laughs> <laughs> so that... something else i don't let them be getting 
like an eight or a seven S, like they they have like double the the coverage now. So you have to get either the screen will crack or the back will crack. That's a very valid point. I didn't even think about that. Windows phones were yeah. fairly cheap. iPhones aren't by a long shot. Yep. Holy that means they have to buy them iPhones and they got to buy them expensive cases that will protect their phone. Yeah, you're right. You're actually very, very right. Um, moving off from that, though, apparently Apple has bought a popular sleep tracking platform called Bedit. Sounds very similar to Reddit, but uh, they bought it for an undisclosed amount. And while the company has remained independent in its product offerings, uh, it was it updated the website to direct customer service requests directly through Apple instead of Bedit, which seems a little. I mean, I kind of get it, but I know there are some companies that you know still route things as like keep things as usual as possible. So I don't know. Maybe that's just how Apple does things. Are you aware of any yeah, other situations? Um. Not exactly, but I know that they do things and like Loki, like if they have a keynote, like they'd like shut down their website for a little bit and like all of a sudden they upload like a new product or something on it. So like they kind of do Loki. So when they did that iPhone SE, when it came out, it was just like the new phone just randomly popped up on the site. Like there was no mention of it or anything. So I could see that happening. It's kind of like a Loki thing. Um, with that actually, I, I want to see if they're gonna like push it for the apple watch be like good to have like a, a bad track a bad time tracking app um and yeah on your apple watch i know apple does they do like a similar thing um called bedtime inside the clock app where you can go the hours of sleep and you could set your timer if you want to set an alarm for you to have eight hours of sleep you could set that as well so it'd be neat to see how they incorporate that and bed it together. Okay. That actually makes so much sense. That actually makes a lot of sense when you really think about it. Because for those of you who aren't aware, bed it is apparently kind of um, a sleep monitor that is placed underneath a bed sheet for more accurate sleep tracking. And it's now sold via Apple's online store. But, um, for those two working together, it does make a lot of sense, especially since more and more people are becoming interested in their sleep habits and more emphasis is being placed on like snoring and like tossing and turning and things like that. So I think this kind of helps a lot when you really think about it. Um, next up is a slightly controversial one. And it's a report that states that the iPhone 8 is to have a dock a new multitasking and gesture, sorry, new multitasking and gestures to replace the home button. Now, Vicky, I know we we kind of talked on this one in chat when this this first came out, and um, I think we we all kind of came to very similar conclusions. But um, what what's your idea as to this entire thing? Um. Me personally, I was kind of like iffy about it. I was actually wondering how they were going to 
um, incorporated into the um, iPhone 8 slash Pro, whichever one they're calling it, um, because you know it doesn't have a home button, so that means you can't access multi. Yeah, you can't access the multitasker. Um, you can't start your phone. You have to like use the power and one of the volume buttons and so on. Um, but I watched a video yesterday, I think last night, about how I was going to like the line at the bottom of the screen. You're going to be able to like swipe up to like do like to activate the multitasker and so on. Um, I personally feel as though like putting a, a new iPhone aside, the home button. I mean, I get that they, you know, they want to make, like, go on to the future and get rid of the home, but I have no issues with it. But that's what they're going to do. I hope that they execute it well. And it's not like, uh, you know, you have to buy more accessories, like the, like the full experience or the advancement of the um, the gesture bar, I guess that's what you can call it. Yeah, to, like, to get the, the full advancement of the gesture bar. Because if so, I mean, you just got to buy more accessories. It's like more dongles in your life that you need. It's... Yeah, and when you really think about it, the device itself is gonna be what about a thousand dollars, and so then yes. you're gonna. Yeah, it's rumored to. Oh, it's kind of like rumored to start like about a thousand dollars, like nine something for like I think sixty-four gigabyte. If that's what they're going to, for sure, for the rumor price, that's what it's supposed to be, but. I don't know how I feel about spending a thousand dollars on a phone yeah. that I'm probably going to drop. <laughs> and then, not just a thousand dollars, but you know these accessories, they're going to be kind of pricey. I mean, just yeah, headphones is like 40, 50 bucks. They bought the starter at least twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah. Between twenty to twenty-five, or like the famous twenty, um, Twenty nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I can see this kind of becoming fairly pricey, like just to have everything set up for this thing. But um, I don't know. And when it comes to the multitasking, it reminds me a lot of BlackBerry Ten and like its peek peekaboo kind of approach, with its um, you slide up from the bottom to move out from the app and choose it and go to a different app kind of thing. It, I mean, it was neat, uh, but I don't see why Apple would want to copy it, I guess you could say. I mean, granted, maybe it's because it has no home bar now. I mean, home button now, but hmm. That's still, well, I guess it's shameless copying. But then that runs, runs the question. Does BlackBerry have a pattern on that? I, I just bring up the question. I mean, if Apple could so-called copy it, then I don't know. All they could have done, like, you know, they give, like, an unspeakable amount of BlackBerry to say, you know, you want to use this tech, buy a new phone, something on the side, and keep it quiet. It might. Or, you know, BlackBerry might be able to get back on its feet securely by suing Apple and maybe winning this one. <laughs> Maybe. People still use Blackberries. Yeah. And that's actually one of our next topics. It's, um... Oh. <laughs> Blackberry apparently, uh, wants to license out a, well, their version of a secured Android operating system. 
um, some of their new devices like the Priv and whatnot are actually running Android instead of BlackBerry 10. And yeah, some people are actually buying it. So, I mean, personally thinking, I know BlackBerry, before iPhone and everything like that, BlackBerry was the go-to thing when you wanted a secure phone. Like, governments couldn't crack it. and BlackBerry was actually kind of banned. Actually, not kind of. It was banned, strictly, in some countries, simply because of the encryption and whatnot that it had. So, I mean, it might be a pretty interesting thing for BlackBerry to actually start going that route. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be pretty interesting. And then, like, I know back then, BlackBerry was, like, the business phone. Like, if you had a business and you, like, everybody would use a BlackBerry. So, I guess, it, like, if they go that route, then it's also going to be a plus on their side to keep it, to, like, it's going to really going to keep the business, um, like, any information the business person is using on their phone, they're going to keep it secured and away from any reaches if anybody, like, happens to find their phone. So, I, like, that's a really good plus on their side. Maybe they may come back in the market. Maybe. Maybe. Without, time will tell with that one. Just like time told with the going down. But, um, moving on to another uh, topic. Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I've seen some articles, and I'm kind of getting a little ahead of myself, but I saw some articles with some other phones like the lg v 30 i think it is um talking about like how other devices were just, like the same specs and that whatnot and the lg v 30 was had some different specs for different markets but sure enough and samsung's been known to do this kind of thing so i'm kind of surprised that article even said that but they found a four gigabyte version that ran through Tena, which is a um, patent company. But one of the Galaxy Note 8s actually had, yeah, four gigabytes of RAM instead of the six gigabytes that they actually advertised. So that might be one of the variants to certain different countries. So, I mean, I don't know. Six gigabytes versus four gigabytes. What's the price save there? I think that's the main thing for a lot of people, especially considering that even that phone was almost like a thousand dollars as well. Um, so I mean, I guess we'll see when it actually starts coming out and you can really start pre ordering. Actually, do you know if we can start already pre ordering these? I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's kind of been about a week. It's been about a week. I think they should have started pre-ordering. I know Apple usually does it like a week afterwards or so on. So I think I don't know. I feel like I feel like they should have started it by now. Um, but I'm not exactly 100 sure. Um, next up is that Samsung has actually uh, partnered up with Century Fox and Panasonic to create something called a metadata platform for HDR, high dynamic range, 10 plus. Um, so pretty much what this means is that uh, it provides an unprecedented picture quality on all displays with brightness, color, and contrast automatically optimized for each scene. 
Now, and with this dynamic tone mapping, every scene is individually enhanced to bring life to life vibrant visuals and achieve unprecedented picture quality. They also say that there are several benefits that come with adopting this technology and that using the metadata, for example, content creators and distributors, along with TV manufacturers and device makers. Um, so yeah, apparently they're already looking to put this in phones and tablets and whatnot. That they can improve the viewing experience for audiences in the coming years, though it will likely take a while to be adopted by industry leaders. So, when you really think about it, that actually might be kind of neat. Because it, it's, it's almost becoming where everything is going to change based on whatever scene it is that you're actually watching. Instead of, you know, we're just going to put high dynamic range on everything straight across the board. It's, I don't know. I, I think I'd probably have to see it to actually, under, like, appreciate it. I'm not sure. Um, do you have any thoughts on it, Vic? Yeah, I kind of, I'm not, like, the same as you. Like, I, I, it'd be pretty interesting to see it. Instead of, like you said, putting... Um, like high, dy high dynamic range inside seeing that like that you watch um but it would be pretty interesting to see it and for me i'd have to watch it to see it exactly to see how it is um i know for me like when i looked at the oled um tv screens i'm like oh vibrant and like they were hurting my eyes <laughs> because everything was so like fight like they were so like so clear and sharp like it, it literally hurt my eyes so i mean i'm interested to see i'm interested to see how this one is going to be fair enough i mean they they teamed up they teamed up with a pretty good like pretty good out of companies yeah Wait. yeah um next up we actually are going to be switching over to something completely different uh chrome now Vicky, how many times have you probably opened up some websites and then after a while you just hear some music or whatever, some video playing in the background and you're like trying to figure out what the hell that is? Like, I know this happened to me quite a number of times, but how about you? Same here, but you know, Apple has, um, Safari has the feature where I can now mute it. <laughs> so I'm pretty good. Like it showed me where the music's coming from. I just click mute. Okay. Here's one for you. So Chrome has already been able to show you where uh, it like has a speaker icon on the tab so you know which tab it is. But let's say this is a particular website that automatically and almost always starts playing like sound and you almost never listen to it. Much like how Safari does, Chrome has that feature now where you can mute it automatically. Hey for Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty interesting. That's that's like awesome, honestly. That if like that would stop them annoying ads every time you open up a web page. Don't worry, Apple. Like Safari soon get there. Give it to me. Still playing catch up, I see. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna be moving on to some Amazon topics. And the first one is, as you probably, well, some of you may have heard if you, uh, or if you listened in for last week, uh, 
Amazon, uh, of course, was able to purchase Whole Foods and they've already started slashing prices on different produce. Now, what's also happening is that Prime members are actually going to be also getting special discounts on some of the food at Whole Foods. So it's further, well, Whole Foods previously had a, a slogan that wasn't really all that nice. It's Whole Foods, Whole Paycheck. Probably because of the price of everything, which when you really think about <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> you buy it there, you're, you're going to end up losing your paycheck pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, people have, are, have already started to note, you know, the lower prices, it's it's already coming around, people are already starting to like it. Um, and with the Prime subscription that you would already have, which is $99 um, a year, and you're already getting even further discounts, uh, I think that people are actually gonna really like that, and especially if they're Prime members. like. That's a pretty smart way to get your members to come inside your store and continue to buy more stuff. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really smart. Like you know, they already know they're paying they're paying like X amount per year for this service. And now you're gonna give them like a bundle where they can pay X amount and still save the grocery store. So that's that's a pretty smart move for them. So add that. Um here we go. It also says, in the future, after certain technical integration work is complete, Amazon Prime will become a Whole Foods Markets Customer Rewards Program, providing Prime members with special savings and other in-store benefits. That's really interesting when you really think about it, for a loyalty program at, with Amazon. Hmm. Maybe that may um, kind of tie in with their, their other stuff like Pantry and whatnot. I don't know. We, I guess time will tell with that. Um, next up, we actually have that Amazon's Alexa and Microsoft's Cortana is going to start integrating. Well, they are going to start integrating with one another. Um, so you can actually start telling your Alexa device, hey, um, set uh I guess set an appointment on with Cortana. I don't know the exact phrasings to be quite honest, but pretty much put an appointment on my computer so that I'm aware of, you know, this happening. Well, and you can tell your computer, you know, tell Alexa, turn off my lights. It's, it kind of makes sense when you really think about it. And it kind of bridges the gap that Apple has been trying to take over. Even though, you know, granted, Apple's mainly been with their own products. But, I mean, this is kind of like Windows talking to Smart Home. And it's kind of like, this makes sense. Now, it's a pity that it's not Google, but hey. Yeah, that, it makes plenty of sense. I know... I mean, I can tell too to add something in my calendar because my calendar is synced to my laptop, so I'm not going to add it. But for them to go the extra mile and uh, Cortana to tell Alexa, you know, turn off my light, that that's like awesome. Like I'd be laying up in bed on my laptop, just be like, oh, you know, turn off my light, and then it's like automatic. I don't have to get up on my bed, turn off the light. So that's that's a pretty smart move for them. I think this one of I mean. 
you and I both know that we've we've kind of already been saying that you know Amazon's kind of taking the lead with this kind of stuff, but yeah. I think this might actually seal the deal for a lot of other companies unless they can get something similar. That's that's kind of my thought on it. Like, you you can't really beat this. Um, Alexa uh, by itself has been one like one of the more dominant factors of it. Granted, some of the stuff is kind of weird, like that one with the um, video calling and whatnot. But other than that, like the dot and echo, like I think those are pretty neat when you like compile everything together. Um, we're gonna move on to something that's pretty weird. Burger King. Yes. Burger King is being talked about in a tech show. Um, for those of you who've heard about something called Bitcoins or cryptocurrency, uh, apparently Burger King is investing in a cryptocurrency called the Whopper coin. So <laughs> it's an interesting move and it's only happening in Russia, I believe at the moment, but it it's almost ingenious when you really think about it because it's kind of like their own currency that you can use to either buy products or like use to trade in for other world assets. Okay, maybe not other world, but this real world assets. Um, so for example, a supply of 1, mil 1 billion Whopper coins have been issued so far and customers receive one Whopper coin for every ruby spent. So that's uh, $1.59 rubes and they can redeem one Whopper burger with 1700 Whopper coins which are stored in a digital wallet now while the Whopper cryptocurrency is a well, they're calling it a bit of a gimmick customers can still trade and transfer the coins just like any other cryptocurrency and apparently it even has its own dedicated asset page which describes it as a token for buying burgers in Russian Burger King and for stock and for the stock exchange. What? For the stock exchange? Ah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. Hmm. That one kind of has me on the edge right there. I don't know how I feel about that. How about you, Vicky? <laughs> I feel like like Burger King is trying to like reinvent a coupon in a way. And they just took a coupon and put that one spin on it. That's kind of creepy as well. <laughs> it's kind of weird that you know they like added the stock like to the stock exchange in there. Yeah. And then, yeah. He went from selling burgers to like, you know, speaking about stock exchange. Um, that, mm, I don't think I'll ever really digest that Whopper coin kind of concept. <laughs> bad pun, bad pun, I know. But, um, okay, we're gonna move on from that one because that one's hurting my brain a bit. Uh, <laughs> Facebook. Uh, last week we would have talked about, what was it last week? either last week or the week before that Facebook had on iOS where that 
um, iPhone users could shoot in 360 videos and pictures and whatnot uh, and then post on Facebook. Now, apparently, they've said it so that it's not just iOS anymore, but everyone can do it. So, all you have to do is just pretty much set it up like a regular picture, but choose the 360 option instead. Which, I mean, some people may do it. I personally more than likely won't. But, um, cool. cool like where you, where you should have beta testers it's clear to see um but i've actually never done it. i've seen it i thought it was cool but i never like actually used the feature on my phone so i guess to each his own like some people may use it and i'll just won't fair enough um moving on for those of you who know a particular game called player unknowns battlegrounds uh or Pub, Pubg, Pugb, um, which is a fairly popular shooter game that's um, done on a multiplayer level. It became the most played game, with meaning that it had the most players on at one time on Steam, beating Dota 2. Uh, but then, shortly after that, its servers went down. Um, I'm guessing that's part of the reason why it's still beta, but congrats. That's actually a pretty decent feat, considering that Dota 2 is among one of the most popular games in the world. Now, China uh, has done something that's fairly interesting. Vicky, do you remember when both Facebook and Google Plus kind of had it where you can only really use, or at least you were only really supposed to use your real name? No, I don't remember that. Fair enough. Um, both have gotten some pushback from that over the years, um, especially when it came to YouTube and um, Google Plus tie-ins and stuff like that, where everyone's real names would show up as YouTube comments, so on and so forth. Oh, yes. I yeah. know that. I really hate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, much like how people hated that back then, and of course, Facebook and Google have kind of leaned off of it as much. And so they're allowing like, usernames and things and whatnot. Though Facebook is, every once in a while, still kind of strict about it. China wants internet comments linked to real names. So that means any internet comment will be linked your actual real name if you're in China I don't see people really enjoying that and some people are saying it's mainly happening now because apparently there's it's becoming the political season over there but yikes I guess I guess it's uh I mean you could just I don't know I don't know how they do it over there but you could just like make up a fake name and then use that like create your account with that and let them use their fake name but i guess for them it's trying to be able to track like if you're if you're doing like some side like you're planning an attack or whatever i guess it's easy for them to track 
track it by do you having your real name out there and for them to be searching around the web trying to figure out who this person is what their real name what their real name is instead of them using their um that's probably why they like why they pushing it but at the same time like i'm not too fond of having my real name out online that means like anybody could search me up and let me have where i live and one person to overshare too much online that means everybody can look at my name and just basically see my whole life on social media yeah now i kind of get it you know over there the government is really strict really really strict and yeah it's political season so you want to make sure that whoever's talking bad about your government you can go and crack them over the head but um (laughs) that's another topic but um still like this is this is i mean they've already kind of gone over the whole thing with privacy but this wow they clearly don't care. Clearly. Um, speaking about controversial stuff, the Pirate Bay is actually making an interesting place as a home for something. Uh, game developers of a game called Darkwood have placed a completely legal copy of the game on the Pirate Bay to help with cash-strapped players. So that they do not go to places like uh, G2A or I think it was GG, um, G2G. Where they would buy these gray market game codes that might have been you know, something that was given for free and that people are trying to pawn off. Or that were stolen and people are trying to pawn off, you know, stuff like that. Um, and they just want everything to be legit. So instead of, you know, you going to these places that you really shouldn't be going to and um, whatnot, just get the game for free. If you're strapped for it, then sure, get it, play it for free now. And whenever you feel like actually buying a copy of it, go right ahead. I th- that's pretty much their marketing with this. And I, it makes so much sense. Like, this is something that. The entire uh, torrenting community has been trying to rally behind from for years now, and I, I think it's great. You like, what's your thoughts on this thing? Well, it's pretty good as well. You get you get a chance to kind of sample the game before you go and spend your money on it, and you don't make that mistake like what they did for there's no man in the sky. No man, the sky. Whereas the video, like the gameplay and the trailer for it, was really nice. But when you actually look like complete trash, so like with them doing that, you get like the upper advantage. You know, play the game for a bit, and be like, oh, you know, this game is really good. I want to spend my actual money on it. Then you can go out and like buy the full, like buy the game, buy the full version of the game. Yeah. But like, like you know, want to support it, and you'd be like, okay, I'd spend money to support, support the developers. I, I think it's it's smart. But like, hello, I crazy Calibre. I think that's how you say that, Calibre, Calibre. But um, moving on to our next topic, it's Google. Now, 
Something pretty dark and nasty happened. That was found out about um, Android. Unfortunately. <laughs> really, Vicky. <laughs> um, it was found that there were 300 applications inside of the Play Store that were running DDoS, or pretty much denial of system uh, commands, to, which are things, which is a a way to try and take down online services or websites or platforms. And it spread over to over a hundred countries. Now, that was pretty bad. Um, no one's no one's denying that. And so, companies like Google, really. <laughs> <laughs> companies like uh, Google and Cloudflare and some other ones now granted this by the way this malware's name was WireX pretty weird name but um, they work to take down those 300 applications and they are working to make sure that those places that were getting DDoS aren't being DDoS and also you know dealing with the actual botnet element of it as well. So, yes, those 300 apps, poof, gone. So, <laughs> to you too, Vicky. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, when you really think about it, yeah, granted, Android is a much more open platform than iOS. Yep, and that would happen if they had a strict, um, platform like ios for their play store well i don't know because there still have been xcode which is one of the things that actually digitally signs ios apps those have been hacked and there have been malicious apps in the app store that use the, that hacked version of xcode to make itself look legit and they've actually they've actually passed so hmm. but how long did it take them to get shut down they were actually there for a few months, to be quite honest. Man, granted, they were more in the Chinese market, but like, still, that you can't really say oh because I'm, yeah. So, you can't really. Like I know what. I know this emulator is. Like you could have an emulator for a week, and by the end of that week, Apple's shutting it down. So for them to wait like three months, it's kind of it's really gonna leak. Yeah. I'll let you. I'll let you pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's one good thing about this, and that is um, Google Play's Protect, which is its um, protection system from these kind of things, is now able to detect applications which include this particular kind of malware, but it is not immediately clear if any warning was previously triggered by the offending applications. Though you know. Cloudflare, Cloudflare's blog post made the decision that all applications tested now currently trigger the message at installation. And it actually comes up like a pretty big and bold installation blocked. And it says this, this app can be used to perform denial of the service attacks against other systems and resources. Even if you have heard of this app or the app developer, it is still dangerous to install an app from an unauthorized source. 
So they are taking steps to make sure something like this doesn't happen again as well. Uh, you yeah. the sound. Um, next we have that Google is actually branding certified Android devices with a Google Play Protect logo. So this means that those devices that are Google certified, to make sure that they are actually Google certified, you're going to have to make sure that you look for that logo on it. Now that logo within itself, you can take a look for it online, but it kind of looks like a green shield with the play star icon over it in white. Um, so it's, it's pretty obvious, but I mean, I don't know exactly when phone does, um, manufacturers are actually going to start placing it on these device, um, device boxes. I know for ones like the note, well, this S eight, like, I don't know if they're going to change the box for it. And then that kind of runs into the question of design for these boxes, because you, know, you don't see like little logos all over the place. They try to keep things neat. I don't know. Like... No, they may they may make it really small and put it on the top of the box and have it like in the right corner. Hmm. Probably gonna have like a really small logo and place it somewhere. Maybe if it's not, it's, I feel like it's probably gonna be on the top on at the bottom or they're going to put it on the back and I, I don't think they're going to put it on the side so it's either the front or the back mm. but then that means you gotta go back in that means you gotta like that's going to cost them more production actually exactly now they're going to have to, to to put the logo onto their boxes and even if this say you don't put it on the box and you like put it on the screen protector that they have, which is just a flimsy piece of plastic that just sticks to the screen. Um, then, I mean, you already have to open up, like take off, if it ha if it's already wrapped up, that means you would have bought it, taken it home, taken it off the, out of the wrapping, open the box, and then have to look at the phone screen. So I don't really think they're gonna go with that method. So it has to be on the box. Hey. Interesting to see how they go forward with that. Yes. I'm glad that let you know Google is finally cracking down on their protection. It's about time, to be quite honest. Yeah. Now, we're going to move over to Nintendo. And we've got two topics. One is Splatoon 2, which... Albeit, it's a very popular game um, across the world for those who actually have the Nintendo Switch and the, the original Splatoon for those who had the Wii U. But with the Nintendo Switch version of it, with the Splatoon 2, they kind of made a very controversial choice. You have to use the, well, your smartphone and the Nintendo app to have a voice conversation if you want to play a game with other people on Splatoon 2. That seems very odd to some people. And through some very accidental fiddling around, 
Someone's actually found out that Splatoon 2 actually has voice over LAN, which is a local area network, meaning that like all these switches are connected to one router or, you know, everything like one network on a whole. And when someone plugged in a headset, everyone else's switches started to make a noise and they can hear like what the person was saying. So it obviously means that, you know, voice is on it and people can hear it. So the speakers are picking up on it. Um, granted, some people have tried to reason it out saying that this is for the tournament that like tournament element for those who would be playing uh, competitive uh, Splatoon 2. But why not just make that available for everybody? Yeah, like the, the, instead of them hiding it, then they, they should have just made it for everybody. Like, I can see where you're going with that. Like, if, if you, if you say that it's for the tournament that they're having, then they would want people to actually come play on the tournament. And, you know, with them being able to have that, like, like, why, why wouldn't you make that public so that people can know, you know, they can come on, play a game, and they can have a voiceover while they do the game. Yeah. You know, people like the bad mouth. But I mean, there's also the element, yeah, like, so if this is working, why do we need this app on our phone? What, what's the sense yeah, I of guess, that? So, I guess, I guess it's kind of like one of those things where, I guess the app wasn't, like, getting much attention. So it's like, you know, let's connect this with the, with the Switch, and hopefully the Switch and the app will bring it. So I guess... People weren't really paying much attention to the mobile app, so they connected them, so that it forces people to pay attention to it in a way. Mm. Like that's only like that's that's really the only reason I could think of them connecting it. Regardless, I think I agree with almost everybody else. This is a dumb move. It is. She's gonna have voice. Like, well, what if, you have, what if you have kids that don't have a smartphone and they want to play Splatoon 2? Yeah. That means they're going to eventually have to go there. Like they're going to have to go to their parent and be like, oh, you know, can I use your phone because I want to play this? Exactly. Like if, if, if Nintendo is, is like a family oriented um, company and they know that kids are really like they bring out a lot of their money via kids. And their main games. Like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you think about this? Not all uh, this whole implementation where you have to have your smartphone and app off the smartphone and it's a play online. So that's I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they was thinking with that. I saw I saw Nintendo with the Wii. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's because you know there are twelve year like the whole people always go for twelve year olds. So I'm just gonna say it like, but um. The whole 12 year old using very foul language saying about talking bad about how they did your mother or something like that um maybe it's because of stuff like that i don't know but then just have something to report the person like that seems pretty that simple could, that could be i could see that that is wrong i could see them pitching now you know it's a family oriented company well, quote unquote family oriented company so now we allow like we have it set whereas people can't bad mouth top of people parents and so on on our servers but like you said like you could just like have something to report them like that that's the simplest fix right there right and 
I mean, don't you really think about it? A lot of kids have access to smartphones or tablets or something like that. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, we did it because, like, um, they don't have it. There are kids in elementary school who've got phones. Like, what the hell? Come up with a better... No, that, that can't be it. Anyway. Um... The next topic is Meverse. Meverse is a interesting little place where you would go using your me character, so something that kind of looks like you and whatnot. And it's almost like a little community, and it's been around with the 3DS mainly, and along with the Wii U and whatnot, mainly with the 3DS. But um, there has been so much development there. There are artists. There are great communities there's news sharing it's it's quite honestly amazing if you've actually delved into it but um yeah nintendo's closing that down and killing that off completely um i mean granted they've been talking about that but it's it's yeah it's it's a sad day for nintendo fans um we're going to switch over from Nintendo and talk about two more topics. One is the Sonos Smart Speaker. Now, we've kind of already been talking about smart stuff from earlier on. But um, it almost is seeming like Sonos is coming a little too late to the party, considering that, you know, Apple's already coming out with a smart speaker. Samsung's coming out with a smart speaker. Amazon already has a smart speaker. Google already has a smart speaker. Like, yes, you have great sound quality, but I don't know. Like, this seems too late to the party. Yeah, it could be like one of those things where it's like, okay, they saw how Amazon did it, and they might have had it in the back of their head. But they were like, you know, it's a new one company, we're not gonna do it just yet. And then as they see the growth coming along, then they were like, okay, you're now. Um, so it has really good sound, like you said. So I'm assuming that they're gonna keep their loyal customers. So even though Amazon is basically dominating the market for a smart speaker, um, those who are I feel like they're going to push more towards purchasing the Sonos smart speaker. Like for me, I'm, I'm not into Apple, I won't lie, so I'm going to purchase the home board. <laughs> fair enough. So I guess it's, it's like one of those things. Okay, fair. Fair objective viewpoint. I can't, I can't hit you with that. Um, I will hit Sonos with one more thing though. Apparently, one of the, um, companies that provides audio like songs and whatnot to the Sonos speakers Deezer is no longer just going to be providing hi-fi sound to Sonos they're now also going to be providing that same service to Google Cast and Chromecast speakers so you never know the next one they may be going for is Alexa and like Google Home and stuff like that so I don't know Sonos days, I really don't know. But it's it's good that Deezer's moving on to uh, 
other pastures, I guess you could say. Um, for those of you who don't really know, Deezer is kind of like a Pandora or Spotify for some other countries. Um, mainly the West oh. Indies and the Caribbean and stuff like that. Um, like I think Flow, for example, um, and some of the other countries, they actually have an agreement with Flow. Where you can like listen for free or something like that. If you have a data package, like some, there's something special with that. That, I mean, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool that they're, that they're branching out. Okay, well, that is it for this week's Tech Talk. Uh, thank you, everyone that has decided to watch. Thanks, everyone. Uh, well, uh, one person who has decided to actually join in the conversation for a little bit. And, of course, we're going to be back next week, Tuesday, uh, with Esports Wrap at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And another episode of Tech Talk on Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Keep an eye out. And, of course, uh, throughout the week, you know, you'll find me here sometimes doing some gaming or whatnot. Feel free to come in at any of these times and just talk. We can always talk tech. We can talk whatever it is that you feel like. Until next time.